now. Now we are in the stream. We are streaming now. They can hear us. We are, we are now. We are the hip young things. <laughs> uh, I have never been hip nor young. Welcome to Slightly Something Else, everyone. I'm Yahtzee Crowshaw. And I'm Jack Packard. Today... Oh, yes. go ahead. Just to fill in, uh, let me just fill in a little background first, because mm-hmm. uh, I did the post-CP stream last week of a game called 12 Minutes, which was short enough that we were able to get through the whole game on the stream. Jack mm-hmm. was there, and it was his first exposure to the game. And, well, we ended up having a lot to talk about once we got to the end of the stream and mm-hmm. the game, because Jack has some weird moral thing about uh, <laughs> incest. I, oh, have... I probably have mentioned uh, spoiler alert for the whole game. Oh, the whole stream. Yes, we are going to be spoiling the hell out of not only 12 minutes, but probably a couple movies. Um, namely, like uh, I'm going to be doing, be doing a lot of comparing and contrasting to The Sixth Sense, possibly the most famous twist movie ever. All right. Well, uh, we'll try to mention the films and games before we spoil them. Yes. So be quick on that mute button if you care that much. Absolutely, but uh, yes, you just say. Oh, let me just say before we go on. Uh, yeah. Thank you for all the super chats. We do, of course, read our super chats from the halfway point of the podcast, and not as soon as we get them. So don't feel that should stop you sending them in. We're not ignoring you. We're just biding our time, etc. We uh, we love the super chats because it supports us and helps us do what we do. Right. So we're going to push all those to the uh, you know midpoint of the podcast. But uh, for now. 12 minutes. Uh, Yahtzee, you specifically asked me not to play 12 minutes, not to look into it, just to have my fresh perspective last week Wednesday. I certainly did, because I suspected your your response would be similar to everyone else's response to the game, which is <laughs> that they all kind of enjoying it in a reasonable sort of way up until the final twist, whereupon everyone I've spoken to... Whoosh, swivels on a dime opinion wise and now everyone agrees it's a bad game so why don't you summarize um the twist and your reaction to it jack absolutely i think that's very fair uh okay so the the main narrative of the game is uh you and your wife sit down for a lovely dessert in uh after about 12 minutes a cop comes in and tries to arrest her um and you after a little resisting uh you die possibly your wife dies and you are reset in the time loop approximately 12 minutes before that uh mm-hmm. so uh it's a groundhog day like you have 12 minutes to figure out how to stop the police officer from murdering you and your wife and stop arresting your wife that's mm. that's the main narrative yeah here you come. have to figure out the backstory of the whole situation just from the two people you can talk to and various background details in the apartment. Right. You have to find clues around the uh, apartment. You, you, maybe you hide so you can listen to information that the wife tells the cops. So then in the next time loop, you're able to use that information to yes. find more items. Overall, I was very sold on this premise until – and here comes the twist, everybody – so after you solve the the who done it of 12 minutes your your wife's name is cleared neither of you are murdered you uh, very possibly cure a young girl of her cancer um the time loop resets cuz you haven't done everything the twist at the end is that None of this happened. It was all a dream because you are actually your wife's half-brother. And it all happens in a dream as you are confronting your father about meeting this girl, and then you find out that this girl is your half-sister. Yes, and I think she's already pregnant at that point. Because in that flashback scene, your father mentions it. He mentions that we got our sister pregnant. So presumably they were in a relationship at that point, and then the father confronted the man. Oh. So So it turns out the whole so it turns out the whole time loop thing was actually a visual metaphor. It was a representation of our internal struggle with the concept of wanting to have a relationship with our sister and have hideous incest babies. Are we sure about the getting your sister pregnant part being real 
Well, as I say, the dude, the father dude mentions it. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you don't say the right thing in that scene, then he beats you up and you accidentally kill him. Tensions are running pretty high. So I assume <laughs> you having gotten your sister pregnant might have been one of the seeds of that tension. Sure. And so the entire thrust of the main gameplay narrative is you um, trying to imagine a good future with your sister wife. Yeah, and it never and in your head it never works because the cop, that is to say society, always like uh always uh, messes this, it up. This, Even yeah, when you do everything happens. right, it's all messed up. So it, the game only yeah. truly ends when you agree to no longer be with your sister wife. Well, this is the weird part. There's um you agree to not be with your sister wife, and then you get uh, returned to the, the apartment, but now there's no furniture and nothing you can do. And, and you just sort of hang around. And the only thing you can do at that point is find a way to go back to the flashback scene and then take a third option. Rather than say you want to uh, leave your wife or you want to stay with your wife, mm-hmm. if you click on a book in the background, then that introduces the third option where your dad erases your memory. And once you do that, you get the proper credit sequence and the game ends. Now, I know why I think this is a bad twist. Yes. Why do you think this is a bad twist? I I think there's many reasons for it. And obviously, like, I was... As I was experiencing the twist live, I was far too flabbergasted by the taboo by the bad twist to really articulate my feelings. I've spent a lot of time this morning really trying to dive deep into the mechanics of why that twist is so bad. Really coming to terms with your feelings about uh, horrible incest baby. Well, I get like, because like to me, like, yeah, that's an easy one. Like the, the fact that you've been, you, that you've impregnated your sister, maybe you knew about it. Maybe you didn't like to me, like the, the blanket that that's, the real narrative says a lot about the author, says a lot about, like... Yeah, it, yeah. you mentioned that on the stream, and I'm not sure we want to go to, too far in that direction in terms of moral judgments. I will! <laughs> I th- okay, fine, I'll counterpoint, that'll have to do. Yes, you, you did your very best to stop me. I think, you know, in the grand tradition of many uh, auteurs, of many authors, you write what you know. Kevin Smith uh, was a, a clerk at a, at a quick stop, so he wrote a movie about being a clerk at a quick stop. Um, that's all I'll say on that, I guess. Uh, and so... <laughs> Well, I think you're being unfair. Mm. Stories about murder without being a murderer. Sure, you can write stories about murder without being a murderer, but you do have to think about the concept of murder. You have to be maybe fascinated with murder in order to feel compelled to write about murder. Well, that's what a writer does. They become fascinated in topics. Hmm. So then my point still stands. Someone's fascinated with a topic. I, I, I don't read it as someone being fascinated with incest. You know how I read it? Hmm. I read it as someone who realized they needed a twist. Hmm. And coming up with the one thing they thought could turn the entire feeling about the situation upside down. Because that, because yes. it was clearly, it's actually, there's, a, there's multiple twists in the plot. The first twist is that your wife didn't kill her dad. I suppose the sure. first twist is that your de- that you think your wife killed her dad. Then mm-hmm. that gets twisted when we learn that uh, she didn't kill his dad because he wasn't he didn't die from her shooting him. He died a few days later. Mm-hmm. And then the third twist is when you establish your wife's innocence and get the happy ending, and the policeman goes away happy. And then the time loop resets, and you realize that wasn't what you had to do to fix the time loop. Mm. That's the third twist. Correct. And the fourth twist is the incest thing and the that whole third twist like doesn't work without a fourth twist because you got to end the game somehow uh, well and i it was i was on board for the third twist i was intrigued by the third twist i was like oh so what are we trying to do how interesting how intriguing uh-huh. i must go over the situation with a fine tooth comb i must be bill murray in the middle act of groundhog day sure so it called it called for a last twist and there are a few things that could have so effectively completely turned the situation on its head as sudden the sudden reveal that it was an incest baby. I mean, I 
I mean, let's try to think workshop something else. What else could have like completely sure, like I, I get and that is part of my notes, which is like like why this twist exists, which is, yes, it's it's important to end anytime you are ending a, a narrative, you want to end on a button. You want to end on a big punch because that's what the audience will remember. And so it's very, very possible that the author of this just kind of randomly grabbed something from the taboo bucket in order to have a strong ending. And and I think that's very possible. That also makes it very weak and tacked on. Because, well, oh, so, so, and I'm, I'm sorry to uh, derail where you were going with this. So I'm uh, repeat your question. I've forgotten it now. You, um, you said like, so what, 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 what twist would have worked or, or yeah, what, what twist would have uh, been a good alternative? Right to the sister fucking because i the first thought i had when we were talking about this back on the stream mm -hmm. was that maybe it turns out you're in a coma dream sure maybe it turns out you're comatose and um if you try to like make everything nice then you are just putting yourself deeper into the coma dream and the only way to get out of the coma dream is to shock yourself out of it mm. when I, like i was considering that as a possibility so i just tried killing everyone at that point <laughs> when i was playing the game <laughs> Uh, sure. Maybe, yes. Well, uh, the, to destroy the whole thing, burn down the uh, apartment like it's the room in fourteen oh eight. The 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 good twist would be something that is somehow connected to the main narrative, because that's what really like if if we're going to be really generous to twelve minutes. If I personally am going to be really generous to twelve minutes and just take it all on face value. Still, at the end of the day, what we have here is a main narrative and a twist that don't necessarily have anything to do with one another. Because the main narrative of the gameplay is trying to save your wife, right? Trying to save a life, basically. Yeah. And yeah, you're, trying to, you're trying to, like, save a future. Right, but... You discover that that future is rotten. Well... But so the twist is about your relationship with your wife. Yes. And so yes. I think I think I see what you're saying. And I think I agree. Okay. Because um as I think I said in my review, at that point after the twist, I felt sort of torn. Hmm. Because the fact that we like the whole game had been about preserving our life, preserving our life with our wife, mm -hmm. preserving uh getting happier made me sort of sort of programmed me into wanting some kind of closure for that situation. Right. And then to discover that situation never should have existed at all. Well, I always think a good twist sort of recontextualizes everything mm -hmm. and makes you want to go back and watch it again, like knowing the twist. Like Fight Club. I'm probably in a minority in that I managed to watch Fight Club before it was spoiled for everyone. Um, I did as well. I, I, didn't know it was, I didn't know the twist of Fight Club. And I've and I enjoyed my second viewing much more. Yeah, yeah, knowing, yeah. Knowing the twist, but knowing the twist in twelve minutes, I guess I'm trying to articulate my feelings about the game. Yeah, knowing the twist of twelve minutes has made me completely disinclined to play it again. Completely not want to go back. Right. Try anything else because you no longer want to play as a creepy incest guy. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the whole situation should never have happened. Right. I don't. I don't want. Like that situation existing for any time at all is bad. I want to yes. walk in the door and shoot myself in the face. So, and if you want the twist to work, so I, I guess what I'm what I'm also saying here is like not only is the twist turn you the player into a creepy incest guy, but it's also not connected to the main narrative. So what, I'm not sure I agree because because the baby, the baby is one of the first thing established in the game. Sure. Well, I think it's connected. I think it just makes the whole narrative rotten. And and I'll disagree because the gameplay is about saving a life. It's not necessarily about saving your life together. It's just about saving a life. If you replaced your wife with your roommate, the first chunk of the narrative would still make a lot of sense. If it like you know got rid of the baby thing or whatever, because like the baby thing doesn't play a big part in that first chunk of the narrative. So what if instead of the cop coming in the first twelve minutes and ruining a life, what if the gameplay revolved around your wife leaving you, 
And you had to, instead of saving her life, save the relationship. Then at least the twist would be related and we would recontextualize the ending. Right. So in this uh, wife leaving a situation, is the incest still there? Yes. Well, so like, obviously, like, that's like option number one, which I don't like. Uh, But like, so like... What I'm saying is you have to marry the twist to the established narrative in order for it to be a satisfying twist. And so if the main gameplay loop and focus was about preserving your relationship, because really that's what the twist is about. Like the big moral conundrum is presumably this guy loves someone who he cannot be with. Right. Like that's the big like at the end of the day, that's what the game is about is I can't be with this girl whom I love. Mm. And but the gameplay has nothing really to do with that. It's just about saving a a life, not necessarily like it doesn't have to be your wife's life. Right. Okay. What if the twist was at the very end, it was revealed that the main character is impotent and the only way that our wife could be pregnant is if she's been diddling about with someone else. Ooh, okay. How would you feel about that as a twist? Like suddenly we like, like realize or discover some hidden documents saying that our sperm count is too low to father children. <laughs> um, I guess... I, I think like there's a there's a lot of ways to go about it. I, I think we can keep like a lot of the gameplay ideas and just change some narrative elements to make it more satisfying. You know, I, I think we my, like my big fix, like if you want to take the structure of this game and make it work 100 percent. It's about salvaging the relationship. You need to go around your apartment and do all the things that your wife um, dislikes about you because she's going to walk out the door forever in 12 minutes, right? She's going to divorce you in 12 minutes. And so, you know, like she, you know, you hear her in one loop, you hear her complain about not putting away your laundry. So you put away your laundry, some bullshit like that. But then what the twist is is that she's already left you and you don't need to do all the things she asks you to do. You need to do the things you want to do and realize that the relationship is over. Then you get a nice arty farty twist. That's good. That's uh, quite metaphorical as well. Right. And then, and then everything's all married to each other. No pun intended. Uh (laughs) Nick, Nick, in the chat, points out that we spend the whole game figuring out the wife's story, but not our own. Problem. because that was my feeling when I got to the end, was that the wife had suddenly become a Mm non-entity in a plot that... She'd she'd become a prop, basically, in a plot that ostensibly was about her. Right. And I think the fact that we were playing as the main character and then sort of adds an extra layer of bullshit to the fact that he he didn't know he was the murderer. There's a a comparison here with Silent Hill 2, one of my favorite games. Okay, go ahead. Because that also has a twist that reveals something about the main character at the end that recontextualizes everything. Okay. Do you mind if I spoil it? Uh, uh, You go right ahead. Yahtzee is about to spoil Silent Hill 2, a very old PlayStation 2 game. Well, Well, I know you haven't played it. Yeah. Well, Silent Hill 2 is about uh, an everyman that you think of as an everyman. You know, he's just like the author insert. He's a, he's a regular dude uh-huh. who goes to the town of Silent Hill looking for his wife because he got a letter from his wife saying she was there, but his wife has been dead for three years. So he's gone there to figure out what the hell's going on. Okay. And at the end of the game, it's revealed that... Your wife didn't die three years ago. Your wife died like a matter of days ago, and you euthanized her. Uh-huh. And the whole game has been a sort of psychotic Ooh, break. Oh, okay. The, the, the town of Silent Hill, which you thought was just doing horror at you, because that's what Silent Hill does, was actually reflecting your own guilty conscience back at you. Oh, I think that's lovely. It's a, That's why it's such a great game. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a lovely is, twist, is, yeah. It uses the fact that we were the protagonist... And we were playing James to mm-hmm. sort of add to this, create this sense of betrayal when you figure out that 
James killed her all along. Right. But the game goes on after that towards the ending, and the endings all deal with James finding redemption for what he did. Ooh, we... Ultimately, the game, like all the torment James has gone through, is self-inflicted. It's an expression of his own guilt for his for the youth for the euthanasia. And so then. At the end of the game, you either redeem yourself by killing yourself or by forgiving yourself and leaving the town mm. or by one of the other endings. And so and that, you as the player I mean, go along that narrative journey with the character. And, and you get closure. So the, and, and I, like to me, that's like that's what makes a good twist. Like the whole purpose of not giving the audience information is so that they can go along the journey with the main character. That's why I look at yeah. the sixth sense as like one of the greatest twists. Heads up. I'm about to spoil it um, uh, again. There's I think there's a very small minority of people remaining who don't know the twist in the sixth sense just to make sure is is like discovering that bruce willis was a ghost the whole time right as Haley joel osmond is understanding what his purpose is like the the purpose of his superpower means that we get to go along that journey with Haley's character whose name i can't remember at the moment and so oh, n- nobody remembers nobody the remember. name of Haley Joel Osment's character. Exactly. It's like how no one it's like how no one can name any characters from Avatar. <laughs> exactly. Prove me wrong. Name a character from Avatar. Uh, I, there you go. <laughs> I want to say one of them's Jake, but that's all I got. <laughs> that's the protagonist. Too easy. Oh, his nice. last name. Nope. I, I know Jake. But I guess like so like that's the point is like the twist right as our main character is discovering what the twist is along with us elevates the narrative. It it includes us in the narrative. And here in 12 minutes, we have a twist that doesn't add anything. Yahtzee, I I submit to you that the twist in 12 minutes quite literally subtracts from the narrative. I agree. It is a twist that, as you say, the previous games we have mentioned that had good twists uh, included us with the twist. Mm. Whereas 12 minutes twist feels like it excludes us from the twist. Or yes. the twist excludes us from the from the game right because of course shuts us right shuts us right out of the game the the entire twist is that uh all of the narrative up until this point is taking place within your head it literally does not exist Mm. it subtracts physical things from the narrative therefore making us feel hollow like you've taken something away from Yes, I think that that was a jolly good articulation of a feeling that we can't quite put our finger on about yeah. why we didn't like Twelve Minutes. We we have a we have a, a thing. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk theater talk for a little bit because I found an interesting par- parallel here. When when we talk like improv scenes and you know, <laughs> and- oh, that was me. I'm trying to make Toffee be funny on camera. Oh come on, Toffee, get on camera. You got to get she. Uh, she's got to get right in front of you. He's got to get right in front of you. Oh, he's not. Oh, that was a growl. He's getting. Oh, he's oh my, get oh, it. Oh, he's had enough of my bullshit. Get it, Toffee. Ooh, get it. Oh, he's had enough. Oh, what a big strong man. What a big boy you are. <laughs> so we. So everyone who's ever heard of improv knows the first rule of improv. Yats, I'm going to throw it to you. What's the first rule of improv? Never say no. Never say no. Exactly. And one of the big reasons why you never say no is because what you are essentially doing is shutting down everyone else for the sake of a cheap joke. If the Mm. reality is established that you are in a dentist office and someone comes in and says, wait a minute, this isn't a dentist office. I'm having a dream about being naked in school. You might get a laugh, but in the in getting a laugh, you have ruined all of the work set up. And that's essentially what 12 minutes does is it takes all of this established who, what, where and wipes it out for a cheap button. And at the end of the day, it's an it was all a dream ending. Oh, right. I mean, which is essentially the same thing. This it, it reminds me a lot of um, if you've ever heard Alfred Hitchcock talk about the bomb under the table. Yes, that's his uh, that's his mm. famous metaphor for how to do suspense. Yes, is if we like that, show the audience that there's a bomb under the table, but uh, have the characters not know about it. 
Exactly. So then we can be along. Uh, so we can be along with the bomb as the tension builds. And if the bomb just explodes and we didn't know it was there, you get one cheap thrill. And again, that's what Twelve Minutes has done here: is they've they've like, they've literally bombed the narrative in order to have the cheap taboo button. That's there's a, there oh there's there's there the the more I I dug into articulating my thoughts about it, the more I just realized it's it's just incredibly bad writing. And and to me, the real the the real tragedy here is that is thinking about why the twist existed in the first place. And you can only imagine that the writer thought that uh, the players needed to end on a high note, right? Oh, they need to end on something big and suspenseful. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's not, and it is none of those things. And it's none of those things. uh, Because there's no, what now? Like uh, like the end of Usual Suspects, or what's that one film where Edward Norton pretends to have two personalities? Not Fight Club, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Richard Gere's in it. It's like a legal drama. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I know that one. Well, no, someone no. will know. I was like, but, wait, you yeah, already those, talked about Fight Club. <laughs> those those are intriguing twists mm. that end with you going, "What now? Mm. What?" What now? We thought everything was closed up, but now there's all sorts of extra trouble. Right. That, that doesn't happen. Primal fear. Thank you, Gunter 549. Mm. Oh, that was sure. the film. Yeah, there you go. That doesn't happen with 12 minutes because you have the twist and you don't go, what now? You go, let's never, let's wash our hands of this whole affair. <laughs> this should never have happened. Let's little crowbar separate between these characters. Oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. And so, like, that's the thing with 12 Minutes is why why does this twist exist within this narrative if it has nothing to do with the established narrative? It's a twist for twist's sake. And it's it's like the ending of the game or what I thought was the ending of the game is like uh, uh, resolving the murder is like clearing your wife's name was a good ending. Like you 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 clear your wife's name. You. You literally like save a little girl from cancer, and like that is a very good upbeat. Oh, we did it! We solved the problem. <laughs> or is that too much closure? Oh fuck that! That doesn't leave that doesn't leave you that doesn't leave you like after the usual suspects thinking about what could come next. What what I'm that's saying you is, going, we, oh, happily ever after, Namby Pamby blah. We, what that's what I'm saying is, we did not need the twist. We didn't need that. We didn't need like something to say what happens next. We needed closure for the problem that was set up. Yes, yes, fair enough. And so it's this is a twist for the sake of a twist, which again is just is cheaply trying to end uh, on a high note when it's not that's not what the game needed. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just like to say to say like that twelve minutes shit the bed is I think an understatement. This is this is like it's dramatically changed the way I think about beds. And shitting in them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as Storm Templar in the chat says, 12 minutes didn't shit the bed, it used the bed to sleep with its sister. <laughs> Great minds, Storm Templar. Great minds. <laughs> but as I said, you know, at least it provokes conversation. That's more than a lot of games do. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, yes, I, I guess it's a, it's a good conversation. Like bad art is a great way to talk about why it's bad and how we can make it better. There you go. It's it's the room. It's the room. video games. Well, and Caster PT in the chat is saying, but solving the day for all the characters would not answer why the character is in the loop. It doesn't matter why the character's in the loop. It well, doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Why was Bill Murray stuck in the loop in Groundhog's Day? It doesn't start focusing fucking on others. matter. No, it doesn't he matter. To, he needed to improve himself. Sure, but like what sort of magic got him into, into that? Like it doesn't matter why you are stuck in the loop. You've solved the problem that gets you out of the loop. Well, the loop is a metaphor, I suppose. Sure. sure. I suppose, guess you don't need to like strictly explain why they're in the loop in that case. Right. Because in Groundhog Day, the loop was, what was that a metaphor for? Was it a metaphor for like uh, the routine, the self-destructive routine we have in everyday life until we make the decision to improve ourselves? 
I, b- I believe that was part of it. I, I've always read it as living uh, each day to its fullest is the amount that he is able to accomplish in one day. Uh, and, uh, you know, before that, he was kind of sleepwalking through life. And then he realized, oh, well, you can do something with your life if you. I understand. I understand there was an early draft of the script, possibly in a deleted scene that explained how why he was in the loop. Apparently, it was a voodoo spell cast <laughs> by an ex-girlfriend. Ooh, I like it. I'm I'm sure at one point, yes, it was it was like uh, uh, explained why he was in the loop. But but again, it doesn't matter why you're in the loop. The loop exists. You solve the problem and you get out of it. This doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, well, well articulated thoughts. Shall we do some super chats? That will probably drive the conversation further. It sure will. Hold on, I'm just gonna just gonna real quick uh, see if there was anything else that I wanted to. Yeah, we talked about how cheap it was. We talked about the relationship not uh, not being related to the narrative. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's get into super chat time. As long as we're all covered. We've got a couple before we started podcasting, actually. Oh, that's correct. But it's all listed on the Super Chat list, so no worries. Ray Zach gives five US dollars to say he can't stay up for the stream because I work nights, but I look forward to hearing Jack rant about 12 minutes when I wake up. Hope- well, hopefully, hopefully we served you there, Ray Zach. Hopefully I did a, a good enough job articulating all my thoughts. Arcane Knight gives five dollars to say rather than twists in story, I prefer subversive twists in a game's humor. What are some instances where you genuinely laughed at a misleading joke? Well, that's a big question. I was working on my Psychonauts two review today, and I was reminded of that. Because hmm. in writing that, I realized that um, in the first game, obviously there's a massive ethical problem with uh, going into people's minds and rewriting their personalities. <laughs> and the and there's a there's like a whole section in Psychonauts 2 where they address uh the uh, the ethics of it. Oh, okay. In, in a quite in quite a serious way, characters like have to apologize and be forgiven. But then I remembered when I thought maybe the fact that they didn't acknowledge the ethics in the first game was part of the joke, part of the subversive joke there that they're teaching you know summer camp kids how to destroy people's minds that's a, that's a juxtaposition that was part of the overall gag that's probably being way too generous they probably just didn't think about it <laughs> let's be honest no, possibly, possibly. <laughs> you got any uh, thoughts for subversive humor in game that's that's far too open of a question there's there's too many things and i mean you guys know i i tr- tend to skip over a lot of story in games so <laughs> A lot of humor in games tends to be, we're doing a sewer level, but there's a sign on the wall saying, oh no, it's a sewer level. Yeah. That's a lot of humor in comedy video games. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to think, except for if we're going to talk about something like I've played recently, like Yogurt Commercial Simulator, which, you know, the, the, entire, the entire premise is a subversion of many, uh, of like the, the point and click adventure genre. And so... Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sirkai twenty five gives five dollars to say just throwing out some support and saying thank you for giving me something to listen to on the way home every Tuesday. You're welcome. Glad we could add to the massive bottomless bin of content that is the internet. <laughs> we do our very best. Krashnikov gives a ten Swedish krona and no comment. Oh, well, just some money. We appreciate thank the you. support. Thank you, Krashnikov. Storm Templar gives uh, two US dollars to say, watching the stream last week was like live best of the worst. <laughs> hey, Jack, yeah. I just had a crazy idea out of nowhere. What's that? What if, what if you got me on as a guest on best of the worst? Oh, do you think anyone would like that? Well, I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever brought it up. <laughs> oh, well, then I guess we shouldn't if no one's brought it up. Will Cooling gives two British pounds to say, bet you're glad you avoided doing a slightly civil war on incest. <laughs> I, it, it's shocking to me the, the amount of people who take umbrage with me taking umbrage with incest. <laughs> like, well, maybe they think you're being, you know, judgy. I absolutely am. <laughs> well... 
like I said last oh. time, what if it if it's consensual and no babies come out of it? Maybe some people are okay with that. But a baby did come out of it. <laughs> in in this case. <laughs> it always abort. Depending on the estate. Touche. Um, I, I like incest. I think it's great. Storm Templar <laughs> gave us $5 to say, did the game use their voice cast effectively? Would it have been any different with standard voice actors? Or was the cast just mm. a way to get the game attention? Yeah. Bingo. Mm. Bingo. Because they certainly didn't bring them on for their unique talent that only their specific voice would have done. Right. It wasn't like when people hire me to voice snarky characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if, you know, who would know that that was Daisy Rid- Like, you you know Willem Dafoe. Like, Willem Dafoe is a very recognizable voice. Yeah. But who would know... The I always sounds a bit like Christopher Lloyd. Oh. He <laughs> was putting on a bit of a Christopher Lloyd Marty sort of voice. Oh, sure. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Daisy Ridley, I, could, I sort of got like a bit of that. At first, but then, like, the American accent sort of killed mm-hmm. any recognition. And James McAvoy, I didn't recognize at all. Yeah. I would, I would never have known that was James McAvoy. It was just generic American-accented actor man. Yeah, and I, I guess, like, it did its job. Uh, it, it's, oh, look at this. Hollywood celebrities are voicing a video game, and, like, that's the top headline for 12 Minutes the Game, which tells you a lot about the gameplay. So. I thought we were past, you know, stunt casting for video games. We are. It used to, it used to be a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Dishonored? How they had um, all kinds of celebs on there. I think Susan Sarandon was in there. Ooh. And Brad Dourif. And you couldn't fucking tell. You wouldn't have been able to tell. Right. Except that they were just not very good at voice acting. It is a, a very different art. Because it's a different skill set, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes. So, no, they could have saved a lot of money by hiring just voice actors or just having text on the screen. I'm sure that would have done just as good a job. Actually, I heard after the fact that uh, Ronda Rousey did a voice for the latest Mortal Kombat game. The the boxer? Yeah, the uh, MMA fighter. Oh, okay. She she did a voice for Sonya. And um, I wouldn't have known that either, except while I was playing that game, I thought, Blimey, Sonya's not really putting much energy into the voice performance, is she? <laughs> well, there you go. Stun- stunt casting of the highest order. Mm. Peter Dinklage in Destiny as well. Mm. Put that also under stunt casting of the highest order. But Peter Dinklage has a lovely voice. He does. So. His voice is as rich as Christmas pudding. So I'm not going to complain he, about that. Yeah, But he put like no emotion into that performance at all. Right. And so, yeah, no, we are, we're well past the days of stunt casting. In fact, once again, as a reminder, the video game industry earns 10 times that of the movie industry. If anything, they should stunt cast the other way. Look what video game we got in our movie, kids. Yeah. They should uh, <laughs> cast Steve Blum in an on-camera role for once. So, yes, it's it's insane to me that video game developers are still are still like clawing at at the cool kids to be like please be in my thing. What the fuck does Steve Blum even look like? I need to look that up now. <laughs> he looks like generic man. There you go. There you go. There you go. Someone in the chat mentioning Steve Merchant in Portal 2. Well, he has a recognizable voice. A very recognizable very recognizable West Country accent. Mm. And also, he wasn't their first choice. Did you know that? Oh, really? No, their first choice was Richard Ayoade. Oh. I, rem- I saw it in, like a, a talk by Eric Walpole on the subject. Mm. Their first choice was Richard Ayoade because they were big fans of, dark, of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Sure, sure. But they... But they uh, uh, for whatever reason, they ended up getting Stephen Merchant in. And you know what? Let's be honest. Stephen Merchant, like, not not a super high-up celebrity. <laughs> not up there. I, I like him because he's a very tall, goggle-eyed British freak. Oh, oh I, no. I, he's lovely and I, incredibly talented. I identify with him. He's... He's incredible. Uh, I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, if we're listing him, he's probably B or C list. He's not A list. 
unless you had a very specific role in mind, like a, a awkward comedy character, like what he was in Portal Two. Mm. Mm. He was in Movie Forty Three. Stephen Merchant. What was that? You know that terrible shitty film that nobody liked. <laughs> no, I have no idea what you're talking about. That terrible shitty comedy film that had like a triple A list cast. Oh no, I don't. And I the, don't remember the, this. Like the, everyone involved with was immediately terribly ashamed of. Oh well, this is why I don't remember it. <laughs> huh. Hmm. See, I only know of it from Red Letter Media videos. I'm surprised. <laughs> I don't watch all of the videos. There's a lot of okay. videos. <laughs> it was the movie where Hugh Jackman had balls on his chin. I don't remember this. Ex- I, I mean, I'm going to believe you that the movie existed, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I do apologize. But, you know, not that much. Well, anyway. Yeah. That guy you know gives two US dollars to say 12 minutes has more twists than a 50s dance. Hell. <laughs> Nothing more to add, really. Yep. Just. Jack Brown gives 10 euro to say, My fix for ending. Brace yourself. All right, I'm ready. Remove son killing father. Make it so nanny killed him. At beginning, set up drunk neighbor with son. Reveal that time loop is because neighbor smothers her son. Continue in second. Ooh. Oh, he's got another super chat. Okay. Where he gives 20 euros to say, now the new goal is saving the neighbor's son. Reveal neighbor is actually nanny, but you can't leave the room. Send the cop and he will kill nanny. Send the wife and she'll kill nanny. How do you resolve this and survive? Ooh, I love it. What you're talking about is mixing the original narrative, the twist narrative, and the gameplay all together with one theme. Maybe I'm having trouble picturing it. I always think it's kind of pointless to, just, to like nitpick on the the one thing they should have done differently, because you know, well, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Oh, of course. And well, you know, as we've said many, many times, coming up with ideas is very easy. Implementing ideas is very, very hard. Exactly. There were probably people on the design dev team bringing up these very issues. Uh, they just didn't have the resources to like fix them. It was a dev team of of one. <laughs> <laughs> It was more than one, but it wasn't, you know, a hundred guys. I, I, it's credited as having two writers. Um, and yeah, that's too many, I suppose. <laughs> right? And I, I guess, like, that's it. Like, at the end of the day, the, the reason why the, the twist falls flat is because it's not connected to the main narrative. It doesn't add anything to the story. It literally subtracts anything. Like, that's the fix, is make them, make them work together. Make them fit, and they don't. There's a lot of things you can do to make to make the, the could be, be and and everyone agrees that the main narrative and main gameplay is interesting and fun and and satisfying until yes yes and everyone agrees that the twist is bad <laughs> right chaos chris gives twenty five dollars to say quietly supporting while at work now with headphones mm. good for you we appreciate that thanks for the money. T Neil eighty nine gives five US dollars to say I feel like a good contrast in narrative twists could be summed up with the Sting, which is a good twist, versus the Last Jedi, which is the Last Jedi. Hmm. Have you seen the Sting? I have actually seen the Sting. It's a pretty old film now. It's been a while. It's it's a it's a caper film, mm-hmm. a crime film, a crime film where it does the it does the clever caper film thing where you think one thing and then it reveals something that that shows that you were wrong the whole time sure. about the thing. Sure. It's it's been a while. I'm sure like The Sting is a is a classic, so I'm sure at one point in my life I have seen it, but it's not coming to fruition. I I won't get too much into The Last Jedi because I know that opens a box of worms. What was the twist in the Last Jedi? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of subversions in the Last Jedi, and uh, the the issue that people have is they feel as if the subversions are for subversion's sake and not necessarily right, in right. in tow with the characters. And I that's where I slightly disagree. I feel like the characters make just fine subversion decisions. for the sake of contrarianism, right? Just for the just for the sake of. Um, oh, no one would expect that. 
Right. And so like, you know, the, the classic example is, is like, is Luke throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder where it's like, oh, Luke wouldn't do that. That's therefore it's a bad subversion. And it's all explained why he would do that as a character. So I think it's a fine subversion, but that we won't get into that. Uh, well, I had, I had, um, cause I haven't seen them, but I've obviously, I've picked up a lot of the discourse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Osmosis. That in the first film they set it up that like Ray had like mysterious parentage, and then yeah. the Last Jedi they flat out said it was nobody. Your parents were no one. It doesn't matter, right? And then in the third film, because different directors came in, yes, they double backsy resubverted that, yes, and said, oh no, actually she does have significant parentage. So the whole theme about uh, greatness could come from anywhere is completely in the bin. It's completely in the bin. You have to have rich parents if you want to be successful. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and uh, that's, that's another subversion that people were upset about is, hey, you know, a promise was made that we would find out who Ray's parents were. And technically, we did find out who Ray's parents was. And I, again, thought that was an interesting choice to say her parents were just nobodies. The Force can come from anybody. Anybody can be a Jedi. Isn't that a lovely message? But people were upset because JJ's mystery box and yeah, a whole bunch of nibbity. So um, in any case, it, none of, we, we won't, this is not a, about the last Jedi, but so we're going to, okay. we're going to just, right, then. we're just going to uh, rear back into why. Uh, and I know it's tough because, you know, we have, we have a connection point between 12 minutes and the last Jedi. <laughs> uh, all the games gives four ninety nine US dollars. Why do people do that? Why don't just give us five bucks? It's not like in uh, old cash <laughs> registers where they had to, like, they had to resupply at least some change. Right. That's why they. That's why they did the ninety-nine cent I thing. Don't know. But there's literally no reason not to round up these days. Yeah. Jesus. Um, to say nothing of the fact that you'll give this is a donation, so you want to make it look bigger. Mm, if anything, it should true. be like five dollars and one cent. That's right. I mean, you're not trying to sucker us into buying it mm. by making it look smaller. Sorry. Little digression there. Absolutely. Uh, all, all the games would like to quote Zero Punctuation 2018 Detroit Become Human. Do the David Cage twist, walk stiffly around the room for 10 minutes, then reach for the sky and fall flat on your face. <laughs> That was a little joke I had about when I brought up, I mentioned how the twist in the game felt like a David Cage twist mm. and then went on a little riff on what if the David Cage twist was the name of a dance. Oh, I like it. And then fall flat. I like it. Um, yes. All right. Hold on. Caster PT is a, a big fan of 12 Minutes uh, and has a little question here. Once you've, and uh, it's something I, I want to see if I can address here. Once you've learned about the twist uh, and the father cop connection, doesn't it change the way you see the situation in the apartment? Yes, but it made me want to leave the situation in the apartment immediately. It made me want to, things to stop and go no further. <laughs> right. It didn't. It didn't add intrigue. It didn't make me like want to go through it again to see to look for the clues. Right. It's it's not there a, were no clues. There was just cake and vents. It's not about changing how I see the situation in the apartment. It's about whether or not the twist adds stuff to the situation in the apartment does it does it mm. does it make does it make the situation in the in the apartment any more interesting i don't believe it does i believe it takes away because again the situation in the apartment is in our head like it does not exist um so i i don't believe it adds anything to that situation in the apartment no i agree yeah it does not uh, the next world war gives five US dollars, and his comment is going to spoil the ending of Doom Eternal's DLC. If and if that would bother anyone, I'm just giving you the heads up. Great. Good example of a bad twist is the Dark Lord of Doom Eternal's DLC being the real god. This is revealed in the last five minutes and changes nothing. I haven't played the Doom Eternal's DLC and couldn't really comment. And neither can Jack, it seems. Yeah, so I'm I'm sorry. I can't comment on that. SVS Guru 2000 gives five euro to say, didn't mind the twist itself, just the story was too dull and the gameplay such drudgery to justify forcing you through more of it after the end. Okay. I think the first person I've heard who didn't like the game up until the twist. Right. And, uh, most everyone I've 
The guy I spoke to liked the game up until the twist. And, and again, you know, I, I technically only played the game secondhand, but I really enjoyed it. I think if we lop off the twist and end it with just solving the mystery, uh, that would have been a, a game I would have really enjoyed playing. It, that's an interesting use of the time loop mechanic. It is an interesting perspective from a very simple whodunit story. I I, th- I think all of that up until the twist is is fine. Like if not like good. Like yeah, that's a fun way to do a mystery. That's a fun way to do a mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were all having fun until someone took their ball and went home. Someone took their incest baby and went home. <laughs> we were all having, having fun met. until someone took their incest baby and gave it to me. <laughs> there you go. Evan Mann gives $2 to say, a bit goofy, but Knights of the Old Republic is one of my favorite twists. I haven't played that, but I know what the twist is. Ooh, what's from, the twist? From, again, Osmosis. Okay. Well, I guess we already mentioned the name. Uh, the twist in Knights of the Old Republic is that the evil Sith character spoken of in the background with, like, uh, cautionary uh, tones mm-hmm. turns out to be you, the main character. After having had their identity changed. Okay. It's the old classic um, main character was not who they said they were, Twist. Mm. And yeah, I haven't played it, so that, that I guess that I, could be interesting. People sent, seem, seem to remember it fondly, so it must have been executed pretty well. Okay, yeah. Theoretically, that could be very interesting. Be, I mean, I guess like if I, if I'm going to... If I'm going to guess, if I'm going to hypothesize here, uh, you know, the point of most role-playing games is to have you as a character grow stronger and, you know, have amazing adventurous exploits. And then, like, what you learn is, oh, like, yeah, I grew stronger to become something evil later on in the universe. Yeah, that, that could be fun. Hmm. That's me. That's pure conjecture as I have not played the game. So, I always like a story about someone who turned evil because of terrible things that happen to them mm. uh getting back in touch with their good self when they are shown goodness mm. and that's why i liked the ending of undertale so much sure sure i just i thought just that particular theme i find particularly heartwarming yes perhaps i'm waiting for someone to bring me back to goodness <sighs> you're here yachts don't worry you're here mitchell emery gives 179 british pounds Again, weird amount. To say, just got a zero punctuation stroke, slightly something else. Tattoo. Thanks for the laughter. Well, I'm glad you're happy with your decision, Mitchell Emery. Hopefully it wasn't any place too embarrassing. Don't worry, this isn't my first rodeo with people tattooing my stuff on themselves. Well, good. You know, it's it's their own bag. I wouldn't, personally. <laughs> I made it up and I wouldn't. Part of that's because I've got a lot of body hair. Sure. Then, then they have to shave it and then they tattoo yeah. and then like it'll grow and just cover it anyway. So it's like it's like yeah, you're paying to pay. have something on you that'll get covered up. Hmm. Yeah. I suppose I could put it on my neck. No. Just I, I tattoo a beard onto my neck. So everyone thinks, oh, he's a neck beard. And then they get closer and say, no, wait, it's just a tattoo of a neck beard. Oh. Bamboozled again. Oh, that's significantly worse. Lukman <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hayazi mm. gives 7.9 somethings, M-Y-R-R-M's, to say, here's some R-M to pronounce my name and guess R-M. Well played, Lukman Hayazi. <laughs> Romanian money. Is it? No, no, probably not. Uh, M- MYR. It's, uh, it's real moolah. MYR M- currency. M- it's the Malaysian ringgit. Ringgit. Ooh, the Malaysian like- ringgit. I love it. I couldn't be bothered to guess. I just looked it up. Sorry to disappoint. Mm. And I was playing a little game, and that's fine. <laughs> uh, Phantom of the Night gives five US dollars to say, I like to imagine the games industry and the film industry as twins constantly complaining to their mum for the other to share their toys. Uh, Except the games industry is, like, enormously fat. 
and makes way more money. Exactly. Like I think at a at a one time they were twins. Yes, except for like the games industry became like the cool kid, the popular kid so fast it still thinks of itself as the loser. Yeah. Well, they kind of switched places. Mm-hmm. At first, film industry was like the big uh, attractive sibling. And the games industry was the ranty little pixelated child. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you know, the games industry got all the growth spurts. Yeah, puberty hit. Yeah. And it's still a little bit self-conscious because of its upbringing. Yeah. But sooner or later, it will realize it could crush the film industry it, like a like a twig. N- Yahtzee, not could, already has. Like, the, <laughs> the film industry is 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 limping. Yeah, I've always said whenever like someone from films, someone who's famous for films comes into video games, there's always this air of, ooh, show us how it's done, great sensei. Right, right, right. Like when Steven Spielberg made Boom Blocks. Mm. You know what? That was a pretty fun game. I like Boom Blocks. And it, just, it, just, it just speaks to the lack of respect video games get to this day. Like, oh, you're famous for films. Oh, you are clearly better at this than us. Yeah. No one perpetrates that myth greater than video game makers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that'll change over time. I would like it to. Uh, T Neil 89 gives five US dollars to say, not super consequential, but I'm reminded of an old ZP joke where James L. Jones is hired as a voice actor for Gordon Freeman. I don't remember writing any jokes along such lines. But then I've written a lot of jokes in my time. Remember this one specific joke, and now talk about it. I've I've forgotten that one specific joke. Ah, oh, well then there you go. Which review was that in, Neil 89 We're looking at the chat right now. In the meantime, that guy you know gives five US dollars to say, I've been playing No More Heroes 3 and really loving it. The suplexes, they feel way more satisfying and fun than Doom's glory kill system. Hmm. I, too, have finished No More Heroes 3, and my review for it may be coming out sooner than you think. Whoa, 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 what? Tomorrow. It's coming out tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, great. That's that's great. Yeah. That's I actually love, when I would expect it to come out, so. Could. I love Suda5-1's games. He's been a bit up and down, but No More Heroes 3 definitely feels like, you know, a proper new installment for No More Heroes. Hmm. Feels like he's like been away thinking about it, and now he's come back to show us all the things he's thought about. All the weird things he's thought about. Mm. Uh, Fumo Chabalala gives 14 rands to say, Greetings from South Africa, please take my rands. That's how I knew it was rands. Ah, thank you for your rands. <clears throat> Oh, Lapis oh ew, La- wait, hold on. There's an Ayn in here. Get it out. Okay, then. Like, like Ayn Rand. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. I, I didn't get that joke at all. Thank you for explaining it. <laughs> Lapis Lager gives five US dollars to say, I do think 12 minutes asked the question, is ignorance bliss, rather artfully when examining the details, but it was a game I did not consider fun. I think calling, saying games need to be fun is a bit misleading. I, I prefer to say engaging mm. rather than fun. Because, you know, Silent Hill 2 isn't fun at all, but it's very, very engaging. It's it's weird because, like, games that are engaging are generally thought of as fun, even though fun has, like, a joyful connotation when not all games are joyful. Yeah, yeah so I, it's... I, I'm with you. I'm with you is what I'm saying. I But I also understand, like, fun meaning engaging, even though it's not necessarily joyful. Uh, the, so the theme is ignorance is bliss is what you're coming across with. I don't agree. That's not really reflected in our like uh, goal throughout the right. Because if game. if you choose the path of ignorance, you're stuck in the time loop. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, at one point you are given the option to forget that your wife is your sister, and that gets you restuck. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I disagree, and there's my proof. No, I don't think ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Certainly isn't when it comes to vaccinations. Am I right? Hell, get vaccinated. Am I right? Yeah, stop taking the horse paste, you fucking weirdos. Damn idiots, get vaccinated. 
<laughs> Still, it's, you know. At least, you know, they're only they're only harming themselves by not getting vaccinated. No, they're harming us because that's how we get variants. Well, maybe. Yeah. But for the, for the time being, stupid, ignorant people are killing themselves with horse drugs. And I think it's fine to laugh at that for now. I can agree with that. BK Griller gives five US dollars to say nothing, nothing at all. Just chucking money like a, out the window of a limo at poor people on the street. Boom. We'll take it. We'll take that money chucked from your yeah. limo. We're not too proud to take that money, BK Griller. Yeah. I'm going to say no more Super Chats after this point, please. We've been doing them for ages. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. So uh, just three more to go. Billy Wilbo gives five British pounds to say, if the robber is actually your father, does that mean the robber's daughter with cancer is your pregnant wife or your sister or just hypnosis? Woo. Well, that's uh, going into the analysis of the fine details that I don't think anyone would benefit from. What would, say that again? If the robber is actually your father, does that mean the robber's daughter with cancer is your pregnant wife or your sister or just hypnosis? Woo. That's that's where it gets. That's where we like. If we want to add to the bullshit that is already the story, that's where we can add to it because the robber is a representation of your father's disappointment with you in marrying your sister. Which means that the fact that the robber has a daughter with cancer means nothing, and the twist was just tacked on bullshit. <laughs> Yes, Cancer Kid as prop. Yes. Like in uh, Thank You for Smoking, which is a, a very funny film. Mm -hmm. That's very true. With Aaron Eckhart. Yes. <laughs> With Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> yes, he was Two-Face in the Dark Knight. Ooh, he's in a lot of things. And you know what? Genuinely good in all of them. He's a good actor. He plays um, um, handsome, clean-living dude who with a horrible darkness behind him very well. Almost too well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Meister Kleister Heist Air gives 20 euros to say, how about the twist in MGS2? Turns out the hostage takers were terrorists after a secret weapon, but turns out it was all to make Raiden into a second snake, but then it was actually a psychological mind control experiment. I don't know if that's the kind of twist we're talking about. I think that's just Hideo Kojima brain worms scuttling about all over the screen yeah if if we were to start digging deep into kojima twists this would be a never-ending cycle of what yeah so we cannot and i'm very very sorry I mean, we, we we love kojima for his craziness yes uh real real quick in the chat um i'm seeing someone asking about uh D, D content uh, what I can say is we have three episodes recorded. We're recording episode number four later this week. It will be coming out. Sure uh, uh, we're, we're aiming for an every other week release. When that will be determines on how long it takes to edit them because a lot of post-production goes into each episode. Yes. Lots more animation being added since the pilot. Yes. Nick keeps saying we're, we're starting in late September with those. So, so hang tight. It's there. It's coming. Yeah. And you know what? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it will all be worth it because mm -hmm. we've had fun making it and that's how you know it's going to be good and fun to watch. Mm -hmm. That principle never applies. <laughs> Not in filmmaking. <laughs> it's a rule though, isn't it? If everyone seems to have been having fun on the shoot, then the film was turns out was kind of shit. But if everyone was like <laughs> living some kind of Apocalypse Now style hell... The film usually turns out pretty well. No, they they have fun on a lot of good movies. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> let's not let's it, not repeat uh, negative work environment stereotypes. <laughs> I always got the impression that everyone got along really well on the Next Generation, mm -hmm. but on Deep Space Nine, everything was a little bit more awkward and uh, torment tum tumultuous. Sure, torment torrential, a bit stormy. Sh oh. Because uh, there was a period in that during the shoot when uh, Nana Vizadu, who plays Major Kira, was pregnant with Alexander Siddig's baby, who plays Dr. Bashir. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently at one point, 
Nana Visitor was uh, uh, had a thing with Avery Brooks or something. Oh, so it was all a bit awkward. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. apparently, um, Alexander Siddig and Cold Meany were best pals, though, and I'm pleased by that because they were best. The characters were best pals in the show as well. Oh, see, that's nice. That's nice. That's people having fun together, and that translates on screen. So there you go. That's nice. That's nice to know. It is. Um, Stickman Grit gives five US dollars to say my favorite video game twist is Portal Two, revealing who Chell's parents were. That was a joke twist. Oh, I was I was trying to remember if that actually happened. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit where uh, Grados says um, you're going to be. Re- uh, like sets up that she's going to introduce you to your parents uh-huh. and then it's an empty room and it's just a faintly lame practical joke. <laughs> sure. All right. I like it. Hmm. Well, that's all the super chats. Well, there was another one after I said no more super chats and I'm debating whether to read it or to teach them a lesson. Oh, and another one even. So like, oh, for fuck's sake. All right, just these two very quickly. Okay. TNL89 gives $2 to say, review was Injustice Gods Among Us. Okay, I don't remember that. Justin Perry gives $5 to say, Different Amorphous had two twists that were both excellent. Did you write those twists in your first draft or did one of them both come in later drafts? Uh, I, they were probably in the first draft because a twist is something you need to base the whole plot around, mm, really. Sure. Or, so, yeah. or if you come up with a twist, then you need to go back and rewrite a lot. And so, yeah. Hmm. If I if my one of my plots has a twist, it's usually one I was had in mind from the beginning. Sure. And was really excited about writing. That <laughs> they'll never guess. So if if you if you have a twist uh, from a writer's perspective, if you have a twist, you kind of make sure you marry it to the rest of the world, huh? Yeah, and ideally have it in mind from the beginning, mm-hmm. so it, you know. It comes out in writing naturally. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> all right, that's all the Super Chats, and that'll be the end of today's podcast, which was about uh, the twist in 12 minutes. Yes, well, in twists in general. The, in, the original abstract was twists in general, but I think we kind of fixated on 12 minutes for most of it. But um, I think we delved into a lot of what makes twists good and what makes them not work. And and we just have a perfect example of a twist completely crippling an entire narrative here. And so it was, you know, it's just good to talk about. Okay, fine. I agree. We did. We had a good talk had about twists. I was Yahtzee Crowshaw. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Yahtzee Crowshaw. And I was Jack Packard. Follow me on Twitter at Harlack. I'll be back tomorrow for Zero Punctuation and the post-ZP stream, which will be No More Heroes 3. I like to give this, these things away on streams to incentivize people to watch the streams. Mm-hmm. Because they can Couldn't be a hurt. lot of fun. Absolutely. And I will not be there tomorrow. And <coughs> I will not be streaming on Thursday, as that's when we're recording our next D&D episode. So you won't see me until next week. Ooh, well, look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime... We'll slightly fuck you later. Girl. Oh, wait, I, I, mean, I got that That's wrong. That's not how that works. Okay, bye, everyone. Bye.